1: It's always a pleasure to talk NBA basketball with every single NBA fan that comes across this great show. It is NBA Sound System live across the world, not just the country, the entire world. India, Australia, of course, my home and native land in Canada. And Scott, your home and native land, England, can listen to it on the
0: podcast feed, of course, at NBASoundSystem.com. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. We we made it, Colin. We made it through the playoffs, through the finals. Um, I know we're going to talk about it, but it's incredible that we are at this point. Um, And also very sad that the NBA season's over, but uh, it certainly went out with a bang.
1: Yeah, it definitely did. Uh, A Mike Breen bang, if you will. Uh, (laughs) It was, uh, we we smashed through the tape. We we ran through the tape uh, like Usain Bolt would have. Even though there was a hiccup of three months without basketball, we made it. Uh, The bubble was an all-out success. No positive COVID test within the bubble. We have to give a round of applause to all involved there. That is a huge accomplishment for the league, the players, everybody involved. The sacrifices they made to, uh, to give us basketball. I don't think we can we can underestimate that. It, it truly is. I gave the analogy uh, the other day when we were in our our morning meeting, Scott, that I've been on resorts, you know, in a dominican for for seven days and been homesick and ready to go home after that. Mm-hmm. These guys were in there for three months, three months uh, for some of them. and you know, just to give us basketball and and have some sort of uh, normalcy back in our in our world as as much as we can get at this point anyway. So you know, congratulations to the league, everybody involved. Uh, it, it really was something that uh, was special uh, for them to pull this off and to not have a single positive test within the bubble is incredible.
0: Absolutely incredible, and also the basketball was just fantastic. I think you know that with such a long break between when the season was suspended and when it picked up again. There was some concern that it would take guys a long time to kind of find their rhythm and get back to the point that they were before the season was suspended. And really, everyone kind of hit the ground running. You know what I mean? Like, the, the eight-seeding games seem an eternity ago, but that's when, you know, Devin Booker led the Suns to 8 no and was putting up massive numbers. When Damian Lillard got, you know, player of the bubble with averaging, I want to say, like 40 points per game over those eight-seeding games. Um, that first round between Donovan Mitchell and, and Jamal Murray um just the basketball from top to bottom was played at such a high level so it's not even you know the fact that we did make it through with no positive case and everything like that I, I just think the product as a whole was, was you know it was fantastic
1: yeah you're absolutely right about that uh and they were able to keep the social justice issues on uh mm-hmm. the front end of everything um you know kind of you know allowing us to have the conversations that are much needed in the forefront so kudos to the nba for that as well on this program, we are going to talk uh, You know our general thoughts on the season. We're going to talk about Jimmy Butler. He was great in the bubble. Anthony Davis was incredible. Uh, we're also going to hand out some awards, Scott. We're going to hand out some playoff bubble awards. They don't do that in the NBA other than the Finals MVP, but you will hand out, and you and I, I guess, will hand out some awards ourselves right here on NBA Sound System. Uh, But first, we must talk about the NBA Finals. Uh, Congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers. They are your 2020 NBA champions. LeBron James, Finals MVP, as I mentioned. Uh, But from start to finish, it was a year ago where people had expectations of this team you know, potentially going all the way. Now that we've finally seen it happen, what's your final thought on what this season was for the LA Lakers? It's a
0: good question. I think there are a few things. I think the first and most obvious one is that LeBron, even at age 35 in his 17th NBA season, is still the best player in the league. And I don't think there is another guy really right now that you'd rather have going into any series than him. Um, Offensively, LeBron has been incredible his entire career. But defensively, the last couple seasons, he kind of took a step back. And a lot of it was, I think, just effort. Um, But this season, he really bought in from day one, turned into a guy who was a fringe all-defense candidate, I think. Uh, And he really brought it and changed that team in the playoffs with his commitment on that end of the court next to Anthony Davis. The second one is just the play of Anthony Davis. Um, You know, I think there were some questions about how prepared he was for a deep playoff run in his first season with the Lakers. And I think he met every single expectation and was even better than the Lakers could have expected on both ends of the court. Um, Offensively, no team really had a response for him and defensively he was just an absolute monster. Um, A guy who proved himself to be one of the best defenders in the league and someone who can basically defend in any scheme, whether it's a power forward having to jump out on the perimeter or a center hanging back and protecting the rim. Um, He's just a two-way monster. And, you know, we've talked about him a lot being a top five guy in the league, but I think he, he really proved that and made a case to even jump up a, a couple spots higher there. And finally, we had a lot of concerns about this Lakers team with their three-point shooting and their depth. And at the end of the day, there were a couple games where that kind of, those concerns um, came to level and we saw it, especially in that game five loss to the Heat, where it was basically LeBron and AD and nobody else. But really the bench did their job different guys stepped up in pretty much all their wins whether it was rajon rondo Contavius caldwell pope alex caruso dwight howard wasn't great in the finals but he, he gave them a big punch in the conference finals against the nuggets and um you know they, they had some big three-point shooting games as well so even though i don't know if i wouldn't say this lakers team is perfect like if you're comparing it to the warriors who are arguably one of the greatest teams of all time they certainly do have some weaknesses but everyone did their job they were a monster of a defensive team led by Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And when you do have the best player in the world leading the way in LeBron, I mean, this is what happens.
1: Yeah, I agree with you in everything you said. And in my thoughts watching, you know, the celebration after game six, uh, you know, and they could really could have celebrated at halftime. That game was over pretty early. It was first and foremost again, LeBron James solidified himself as being you know the man in the NBA. Whether or not you agree, he's the best player currently today in the NBA. That's that's up to you uh, to decide. But there's no question that he is the face of the league, and he's still the uh, you know he's still standing at the top of the mountain uh, in his 17th season, uh, and, and you know winning the Finals MVP sort of solidifies him and, and puts him in a different class than he was in. You know, before game six, Uh, you could argue that most people have him, uh, you know, in the conversation with Michael Jordan for being the greatest of all time. It's always tough to debate those type of things. That's what we do on sports talk shows like this. We debate those type of things. There's really no right answer. The right answer is, though, that LeBron James is great, period. That is it. Like, there he is. There's no question about his greatness now. Uh, Doing it, winning a championship with his third team, winning his fourth finals MVP award. He really proved himself here in the bubble. And then Anthony Davis, I agree with you. He was terrific, you know, standing alongside LeBron James, not just in in the playoffs, but all season long. He was really, uh, you know, LeBron kind of really allowed him to to come into his own there and and encouraged him to take over the torch as, you know, the best player at portions throughout the season. And Anthony Davis answered the call for a lot of the season. And I, I think... Last year, when we went into the season, there was a lot of question marks, as you said, around this Laker team, whether or not they'd be able to gel. There was question marks around their coaching staff. Uh, we all know the memes about the, you know Frank Vogel getting stabbed in the back by his, his assistant coaches and everything else. Uh, but they were able to kind of quiet the noise uh, and, and and really go through the season drama free uh, from from an internal perspective. And and I think that that closeness. Had we seen that you know, up front or paid attention more to that up front, we, we probably would have realized that this team really can win the championship and not have overlooked them and picked the Clippers, or overlooked them and picked the Bucks, or whatever other team that, uh, you know, set the 76ers, whatever team you had out there, um, you know, I, I think for you and I, I was Clippers and 76ers, or i sorry, I was yeah. Lakers and, and 76ers when the season started, but then I switched before the bubble started and jumped on the Clipper bandwagon. Had I had I stuck with uh, what I had seen in the regular season, which was a really good team that ended up finished first in the Western Conference, and uh, you know the, the supporting cast, everybody had questions about, but the one thing we did not have questions about was. That LeBron James would show up and then Anthony Davis would show up, and the third one that I think w- was answered completely in the bubble was that this team was really good defensively. They were elite defensively, and that was going to carry them to a championship. Maybe they, you know, weren't going to be able to knock down threes at, at the way that you could in a modern NBA, but they were going to be able to stop teams from scoring whenever they wanted to. And we saw that on full display in Game Six against the Miami Heat. The Heat could not score. Uh, when the Lakers were locked in, uh, in in that game and that happened throughout the playoffs that happened throughout the regular season It's like they flipped the switch and said you you guys aren't scoring on us and we're gonna we're gonna extend our, our leads and we really didn't take that seriously enough as a as a collective media unit we should have gave the Lakers defense more credit than I think that it got.
0: I agree with you there, and it's also interesting because Avery Bradley was arguably their best perimeter defender during the regular season, and they obviously didn't have him in the bubble. And I, I think he would have made an impact, but they didn't really. I mean, they they won somewhat comfortably in the in the in the in the playoffs to win the title, um, so they didn't really miss him that much. And obviously, Anthony Davis is going to get a ton of credit for what they did defensively, as he should. LeBron's going to get a lot of credit for what they did defensively, as he should as well. But it is guys like Contavious Caldwell Pope, the way that he defended Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero in the finals. It's guys like Danny Green who couldn't really buy a shot, but his defense is you can always count on him on that end of the court. Alex Caruso, again, another really strong perimeter defender. Um, And then he, as I said before, Dwight Howard gave some positive minutes in previous rounds as well. So it really was top to bottom, just a great defensive team. All the guys were locked in. And also a huge credit, like you said, to Frank Vogel, because I think, you know, he's always been known as a defensive minded coach. He got LeBron to buy in on that end of the court. AD kind of, you know, he maximized him. I think one of the things about Vogel that stood out to me during this run is that he made a number of big... He made the adjustments that the Lakers had to make to win the championship. And some of them were obvious, like Dwight Howard playing over JaVale McGee in the conference finals, um, starting Alex Caruso in game six instead of Dwight Howard, who had really struggled. Like, a lot of these were kind of obvious adjustments, um, but a lot of coaches don't make those adjustments, especially when the stakes are at their highest in the playoffs. Um, another one was, you know, moving Anthony Davis onto Jimmy Butler in that in that game um, four of the finals, which which really won that game, changed that game for the Lakers. Um, so credit Frank Vogel for kind of setting the tone defensively for this team, everything he did in that regard, but also proving that, he, you know, he can make the small adjustments that turn into big adjustments in the playoffs to kind of um, maximize the team's potential and, and ultimately win a championship.
1: That move to put Anthony Davis on Jimmy Butler in Game 4 really changed the series. And I'm going to ask you a question about Anthony Davis and the entire finals in just a second. But I want to remind everybody, check out Sound System FC. If you're a football fan, that is the spot where you go and find out the latest news in the football world. Or soccer world, as we call it here in North America. Uh, Manchester United, they're, they're, they're going through some issues. They had you know a lot of hiccups in the transfer window if you're a football fan that's the, the uh, free agent period uh which we're about to enter into in the nba manchester united struggle through that league mx there's a lot going on there bo lords they got you covered over on sound system fc if you haven't already rate review and subscribe to that podcast i promise you you won't regret it sound system fc you're home for football all right we talked about anthony Day- we talked about lebron james winning the finals mvp and i think he deserved it But it was a unanimous vote for LeBron James, which kind of surprised me in a bit because I thought more people would pay more attention to what Anthony Davis did to change the series. As you mentioned, he guarded Jimmy Butler for the back half of the series, and that really turned the tide in the favor of the Lakers. and allowed them to be a little bit more flexible defensively. Anthony Davis didn't have the numbers scoring-wise in two games, and I think that hurt him. But after the first two games, there was a real argument whether or not Anthony Davis should be, you know, the Finals MVP of this series over LeBron. The, the foul trouble in Game Three hurt him, and, and then Game Four he wasn't, you know, the best offensively. But defensively, I thought more people would give him credit. And uh, for him to not get a single Finals MVP vote shocked me a little bit. So, d- did you think that? Uh, do you think that Anthony Davis dever- deserved a little bit more Finals MVP
0: love? Like you, LeBron deserved it. There's no two ways about it. But I do think that I don't want that to overshadow how important Davis was in this series, because the fact of the matter is the Lakers would not have beaten the Heat if it wasn't for him. Through two games, I think he was the finals MVP. I think it was his award to lose. And then, like you said, he kind of really hurt himself in that game three. Um, And in game five as well, I think LeBron was just the far better player on the Lakers. So really, LeBron was the best, by far and away, the best player on the Lakers in both of their losses. Um... And I think offensively, LeBron was also better than AD in games five and six. But like you said, sorry, game four and game six, Um, that game four, when he matched on to Jimmy Butler, there's just not many players in the league. There might not be another player in the league who can do that. Do what Anthony Davis did defensively in the finals Um, because you know it's easy to forget but there was a talking point in that Buck series when Jimmy Butler took over at the end of game one about whether or not Giannis Antetokounmpo should be guarding Jimmy Butler Um, and he brushed it off kind of being like that's not me I'm not guarding him because really Giannis shines defensively as a help defender Mm -hmm. Um, but Davis is just so unique in that you know he's six foot ten he has a seven foot five wingspan he has the foot speed to guard a guy like Jimmy Butler but then after that Game 4, in Game 6, Vogel moved him to center, moved Alex Caruso in the starting lineup and he wasn't guarding Jimmy Butler in that game. He was hanging back in the paint, um, you know, protecting the basket, hedging up on guys in the pick and roll. Um, he's just so versatile defensively and I think one of the things that jumps out to me really in this playoff run for Anthony Davis is that you really have to watch, you really have to key on him defense when he's on defense to, to really appreciate what he does. Um, because a lot of what he is, obviously he's huge. He has a huge wingspan and that helps. But he's just so good at knowing where to be. And he's always in the right place at the right time. Um, and there were so many situations in that game six, like Tyler Hero just airballed a floater in the paint. And if you look at it, Anthony Davis didn't really do anything of note in that situation. But it's that presence. It's the threat of him going out on, and contesting that shot and potentially blocking it that just spooks guys around the basket. Um, so I think, you know, it's re- defense is just really hard to measure. And it's one of those things that you have to really lock into. And I think it was pretty obvious the impact that Davis did make in this in this finals. But I also think it may have been understated a little bit. Um, and when you factor in the fact that he also, you know, he wasn't as good as LeBron offensively. He still averaged 25 points per game on well over 50, 40, 90 shooting splits, which for a, set, a power forward slash center is just incredible. Um, I am kind of surprised that he didn't get more love for finals MVP. But again, like LeBron deserved it. I just don't want... LeBron getting unanimous votes for finals MVP to overshadow the impact that Anthony Davis did make.
1: There's a lot of great defensive players in the NBA. Uh, as you said, it's very hard to to kind of, you know, key in on one guy because there's different ways to be impactful defensively. Anthony Davis does a great job of doing it one way. Giannis Antetokounmpo does a great job of doing it another way which mm-hmm. earned him the defensive player of the year this season uh, as he was playing on the best defensive team, sort of being that safety uh, or or roaming defender for, for lack of a better term. But for me, Anthony Davis is the best defender in the NBA. And I know he didn't win Defensive Player of the Year, and that's fine. I still think that Giannis deserves it, just like he deserved the MVP award. But that doesn't mean that he is the best defender in the NBA. That just means he you know, what was maybe the, the, the best defender in a season. Uh, but that's why it's tough to kind of vote for awards at the end of the season and not include the playoffs. Because LeBron would probably win MVP if you include the playoffs every single year lebron's the best player in the league but he didn't win mvp this season didn't deserve it so i i think it's the same sort of argument for anthony davis anthony davis proved to me at least that he was the best defender in the league by the way that he was able to defend in the postseason uh what's your thoughts is is, is do you think ad is the best defender in the league today
0: it's a really tough question because even if it i, I kind of lean towards you i think Giannis deserved defensive player of the year. I have no doubt about that. Um, the Bucs were such a dominant defensive team, and I do think he's probably the best help defender in the league. But they're just, again, there's so there's there might not be another player in the league who can do what Anthony Davis does, whether it's, you know, alternating between being a rim protector on one possession and then switching on to a guard or forward or just sticking with them for an entire game. Um, so after after what we've seen in these playoffs, I'd probably give Davis the edge. But again, I, I do think it's one of those 1A, 1B things where you can't really go wrong with either. Um, I think they're quite clearly the two best defensive players in the league. Um, no offense to Rudy Gobert. I think he's, you know, third or fourth. He's in that conversation. But I do think there's a decent amount of drop-off between them and the third best. Just because yeah, of their it. versatility more than anything. Like, in today's league, with the amount, you know, it's it's such a guard-heavy, forward-heavy league. Um, such a perimeter perimeter orientated league and you need guys who can do multiple things Um, and I think that's really where Anthony Davis and Giannis shine yeah I think
1: I think if I had to rank them off the top of my head right now I'd go AD Giannis uh, probably probably Kawhi, Bam, Ben Simmons and that's no disrespect to, to, to Rudy Gobert but as you said yeah. I think those five players give you the ability to guard multiple positions and then also multiple levels of the court where I don't know that Rudy Gobert is getting into the deep end of the court he's, he's not trying to guard out on the perimeter he's more of uh, a, a rim protector per se so um, great to see you know Anthony Davis be able to shine on both ends of the floor in the finals. And I and I think that he definitely deserved a little bit more finals uh, MVP love or at least more recognition that maybe what he will get in history when they see that he didn't get a single finals MVP vote. He only got that though because he shut down a, a guy that was playing out of his mind in the finals. Um, Jimmy Butler single-handedly won game three for the Heat. Um, mm. I don't know that You know, I know there was a lot made out of the forty-point triple double that he had. I appreciate it more now, being a week away from it, than I did in the moment. The fact that he was able to have that sort of game uh, without Bam Adebayo and without Goran Dragic and a lot of those guys that were around him. You know, you're talking about the Tyler Heroes. You're talking about the uh, Duncan Robinsons. uh, I mean, they had Myers Leonard, who didn't pretty much didn't play the entire playoff um, until the finals, until he had to. Like Jimmy carried that team and did that, a 40 point triple double against one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. Um, that is an incredible, incredible job out of Jimmy Butler. He did it again in the 35 point triple double to get a, a second game. And they were two wins away, were the Miami Heat, from winning an NBA championship. I wrote about it on NBA.com. I think that the Heat now have a lot of decisions to make this offseason where, um, you know, if they got bounced in the second round, which I think a lot of people were predicting them to, to, Go out in, uh, you know, they could be patient and maybe wait till the summer of 2021 to try and get another superstar to add to Jimmy. I, I think that timeline is kind of sped up a little bit because now they realize that Jimmy is good enough to maybe get them a championship. They, they just won two games against the eventual champions and looks good in doing so. And who knows if they were healthy, maybe we're, we're going to a seventh game. You know, maybe we're talking about a seventh game going down tonight as, as we speak on a, on a Tuesday here. So I. I think the Heat should try to swing for the fences, and I, and that's not like Danilo Gallinari. I know there's a lot of Danilo Gallinari rumors out there. I don't think he's the one that pushes him over the top. I think it's like a Chris Paul, uh, and I know that you're gonna have to gut your depth to get a Chris Paul. But I think he might be a, a piece like him might be the one to help the Miami Heat go over the top. Are you like me and want the Heat to go all the way all the way in, push your chips to the table, and, and let it ride, or should they be patient?
0: It's a really tough question, because when you when you sent me these ideas, I was going to ask you what swing for the fences was, because the Miami Heat are actually one of those teams that they are the best team with cap space this offseason. And the problem is, like you said, their best chance of getting a really good player is probably like Danilo Gallinari, because Anthony Davis is going to re-sign with the Lakers. Brandon Ingram is going to stay with uh, with the Pelicans. Tomato Rosen is probably picking up that player option. Um, So really, that's probably going to be the best player they can get. But also, they have some really key decisions, like you said, to make with Goran Drajic being an expiring contract. Jay Crowder Mm -hmm. um, is also going to be a free agent, as well as a handful of other guys. So you can't just let them walk if you want to be back in the same position next season, because you're not getting a better guy. The only guy who's better, in my opinion, on the point guard free agency market is Fred Van Vliet. Um, And I would love to see Fred Van Vliet in Miami, but yeah, I don't think you're getting that. So if that's the case, you're re-signing all those guys, and then you're... um, You're trying to piece together a package for Chris Paul, which is going to be really hard to make to do when he's making nearly 40 million dollars next season. Um, I I think, you know, it sounds great for them to go all in on something like that. I just don't know if there really is um, if they will be able to 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 make a big trade like that. Um, you know, Bradley Beal is another one who'd be really interesting for them but by all accounts it seems like he's going to give it a go at the start of next season with Washington um, and again I just don't know if they have the kind of means to put together a package to get someone like him um, my guess is that they're just going to kind of wait for 2021 um, and even if at that point Jimmy Butler is not you know, quite the same player that he was this season you're banking on improvement from guys like Jimmy Butler's in his 30s but other than that this is a really young team um, Duncan Robinson's only in his second season. Tyler Hero's a rookie. Bam Adebayo is only now um, eligible to sign an extension off of his rookie um, rookie contract. So this is going to be—they're going to have this call together for for a long time. And I I don't think there's necessarily, you know, it, it's exciting to think about this team adding a piece and taking that next level for next season. Um, but I don't think it would hurt them to kind of bide their time and try to go all-in free agency on 2021, um, like a lot of other teams are doing, because quite frankly, next season is going to be tough in the East. You know, the, the West is obviously going to be the toughest. <laughs> I went through it the other day. You can make a case pretty much for every team in the West being able to make the playoffs next season. Um, right. The East isn't that as deep, but you've got teams, I mean, the Celtics are young as well. They're going to be better. The Raptors are going to be right back there, regardless of who they lose or who they sign. Um, the Bucks, I think, are probably going to be better. Um, you you have the nets as well, um, so it's it's not a given that this team is going to be back there. Um, so so I don't know. It, it gives them a lot to think about this offseason. They it's, it's going to be a busy offseason for them. That's why, and that's why I think that they
1: should at least consider going for a Chris Paul type player. I know it's going to be tough to get him. Uh, you, you probably have to give up one of your young studs. Uh, as long as it's not a Tyler Hero, I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's you know impossible to pull off. Um, you know Andre, Andre Iguodala is a, is a is a big contract out there that you you know you could add some pieces to him and he's attractive to a team because it's, it's his final year is actually a team option uh, and that yeah. might be attractive to a lot of teams out there that are looking to shed some salary for the the following uh, free agent periods coming up and then i also think about bam specifically is it, it, you have one more you could have one more year with bam on a you know f- team friendly salary um, before you you go and give him the big bucks, and he's going to get that because he is that type of player. He's an all star now, and he proved that in the finals. Uh, you know, had he not been hurt, who knows? You know, he could have been better and, and more impactful. So I want it's sort of like the NFL thing. Like when when in the NFL, if you get your you find out you have a good quarterback and you have him on a cheap salary, you try to build around him and try to win in that window before you have to pay him uh, umpteen amounts of millions of dollars, and that really kills your cap. I think that the the Heat are in a unique situation where Tyler Hero's young, Bam Adebayo's young, and they're on team-friendly deals where, you know, you can pay Jimmy, you can try and bring in a Chris Paul and eat the two-year salary that he's going to have before you think about paying some of these young guys that uh, are already on your team and, and really try to win now. So I don't think there's a wrong answer. I just think, that, you know, I, I'm going all in, especially considering that the East is not getting any easier, like you mentioned, you know, Bucks. Uh, Raptors, the Nets are going to be back. Celtics, we know they're going to be good. So it's uh, going to be fun next season for sure.
0: It is. It's going to be insanely competitive, um, which is crazy because it kind of felt like this was the first season in a long time where everything seemed to be pretty open. Um, I, I know you know the Lakers were at the top, the Clippers were at the top, the Bucks were at the top. But you can make a case even going into these playoffs, uh, there was a case to be made that you know the Rockets might be able to upset a team. The Nuggets were obviously the biggest surprise I think in the playoffs. And like we mentioned, you know, a team like the Nets with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, you don't know what to expect from them. So I really do think next season is going to be very open, um, which makes it exciting. Yeah, we didn't even mention the Sixers that, and and they can oh, still yeah. you know
1: do something uh, in in the uh, in the regular season now with Doc Rivers as their head coach. All right, let's get to the awards from the playoffs. We're going to hand out some awards. We have a playoff MVP. We have that is not the Finals MVP, but the playoff MVP. Uh, we have the All Playoff Team. We have the Defensive Player of the Playoffs. We have Breakout Player of the Playoffs. Best Game. Best Series. Let's start with the Playoff MVP. Who do you have?
0: Just, just to repeat that, we uh, LeBron is not involved in this because he won Finals yes. MVP. So, yes. with that in mind, I think I think it's got to be Jimmy Butler. Um, right. He averaged, you know, twenty-two points, seven rebounds, six assists throughout the playoffs. He got the Heat back to the finals, like you said, stole two games against the Lakers. Um, had that forty-point triple-double. Also had that thirty-five-point triple-double in a must-win game for them. I don't think there's Jamal Murray is the other guy who comes to mind. But I don't think out of the other than those two, there's an, there's more another player who kind of helped their stock the most with how they played in the bubble and in the playoffs than Jimmy Butler. Like you wrote, I think he's proved himself to be a superstar. Um, And, you know, whenever you're doing things like he was in the finals, it seemed like both of those triple doubles that he had, he basically joined LeBron James in all time company as guys with, you know, 30 point only guys guys with the only 30 point triple doubles in finals history and 40 point triple doubles. And anytime you're doing that, you're in some pretty um, special company. So I think he's quite clearly the playoffs MVP for, for me, especially when you consider that I don't think anyone really had the heat. Um, I know you picked them to be the Bucks in the second round, um, but even then I think the they weren't the favorite against the Celtics in the conference finals. So there's, I don't think there's anyone who really saw this team going as far as they did. And obviously it was a collective effort. Goran Dragic was their leading scorer going into the finals. Bam Adebayo was incredible against the Celtics. But I think Jimmy Butler kind of set the tone all season long for this team um, and really stepped up when they needed to even going back to that game one against the Bucs. You know what I mean? He, he had that 40 point game in that game one, took over down the stretch. And I really think that set the tone for them to re- for the rest of that series. So for yeah. me, I, I think he's pretty clearly the playoffs MVP. And I 100% agree with you there. Jimmy Butler is my playoffs MVP as well. I think people forget
1: uh that it, i don't want to say it was a toss-up between them and indiana because i know that indiana was compromised from by due to injury but many people weren't you know when the heat kind of swept indiana out of the playoffs i don't think anyone was really giving them a shot against the bucks uh just due to the fact that you know a uh they, they kind of slept i don't want to see slept maybe but they they didn't they didn't impress in the regular season other than the first quarter of it Uh, They had injuries that they were dealing with. No one knew that Tyler Hero was going to be as good as he ended up being in the playoffs. Um, People completely forgot about Kendrick Nunn uh, because Goran Dragic came back and was as healthy as he's ever been in the last year or so. So a lot of those factors I, I don't think people realized, but... Still, uh, the way that they boat race the Bucks um, and and then also beat the the Celtics, who are a really good team. Like I think if the Celtics had made the finals, then we would be looking at a Game Seven, um, you know, uh, with with the Lakers. I don't think it would have been as easy as uh, as people would think uh, for the Lakers to be crowned champions. That Celtics team was tough. So for the Bucks to do that, to or sorry, for the Heat to do that against two teams that many have picked to go to the finals, um, you know, it, it was all in the back of Jimmy Butler. Whether he had to score, whether he had to do it defensively, whether they had to distribute, uh, knocking down threes. Um, he did it all really in the playoffs and, and deserves the uh, playoff MVP right here for NBA Sound System. All right, all playoff team, run through this quickly.
0: You know, it's funny. I, I sent you these ideas and I completely blanked on the old playoff team. So I, I'm all going to right, give the top. you mine. Okay, yeah, go ahead. I'll give you mine.
1: Uh, at guard, I have Jamal Murray. I think he's a Stone Cold Lock. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no question about it. At the other guard spot, I had Luka Doncic. Um, I know he was only in one round, but I I, I had a a tough time thinking about another guard that had as good a round as Luka Doncic had in the first round. He was incredible going up against a team that many thought at the time would have been winning the NBA title and uh, pushed him to game six and, and did it. Pretty much by himself, like Kristaps Porzingis was available for what, you know, uh, a quarter, you know, a game and three quarters. Like he wasn't, mm-hmm. he wasn't fully there for for the entire series. And and Doncic really carried them there. So he's my second guard. Uh, Jimmy Butler, I just gave him the MVP of the playoffs. I can't leave him on the off playoff team. LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That's that's what rounds it out there for me. I, I thought about putting uh, Bam out of bio in at center, but I think AD outplayed Bam in the finals, and there's no question that he should be there.
0: That's funny. So uh, LeBron James isn't the guard, huh? Are we gonna do this no. debate again? No, he's not. Well, I mean, I <laughs> thought
1: about doing that, but I, but I, I found Doncic, so I was like, you know what? I'm put Doncic in. Let him get some love.
0: Yeah, off the top of my head, I was, I was thinking Jamal Murray, Jimmy Butler, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Jokic. But then you get into some positional stuff with forwards or guards. So I, I really don't mind what you have. Um, the that, that first round series with the Mavs and the Clippers seems again like an eternity ago. But Luka Doncic was just incredible. And to steal two games against that Clippers team, one of which came uh, when Chris stapps didn't play and he made history by, I don't know, the 45-point the triple-double or whatever it was <laughs> and hitting that step-back three. Um, it, it is just wild to think that he's 21 years old. And, you know, we're we have we're working on our player rate ratings right now. Um, we're ranking the top 30 players in the league this season kind of looking back on it and uh spoiler alert it looks like luke is going to finish fifth in fifth place wow so to think that we're already talking about this guy as a top five nba player at 21 years of age after he just had his first postseason run it is incredible to play so good that people
1: forget that you got hurt in the series is, yeah it you know takes you to the next level that Luca Doncic did that so did jimmy butler in the finals defensive player of the playoffs we just talked about ad so we don't have to you know i i, I you're not going to pick anyone else other than ad right
0: no, but I want to say something real quick. So, um, especially in these big games, I, I like to kind of take notes as the game's going on and, and point stuff out, like when things jump out to me. Um, and, and I went, I looked back at my notebook today um, in preparation for this podcast because um, I remember Anthony Davis just being everywhere in, in Game Six defensively. And I decided to just pull up the clips again, um, watch a lot, you know a lot of the, the Heat's misses and their turnovers and everything like that. And I mean, he just made so many more plays than, I, than even jumped out to me when I was watching the game live. Um, he truly is just an incredible defensive player. He was shutting down passing lanes with his length. He was. There's a very fine line between over helping on the ball handler and the pick and roll, but also not you know, helping so much that you leave Bam at a buyer roll into the basket wide open for a dunk. Um, and he, he, you know, he he's, he finds that line perfectly, he strikes that line perfectly. Um, and it's situations like Tyler Hero airballing a floater happen, just because you don't know, he keeps guys on edge all the time. Um, so he's hands down the defensive player of the, uh, of the playoffs for me, not just for what he did in the finals, like I said at the, at the top. He basically did everything um, the Lakers needed him to. In the first round, he was guarding the perimeter against Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum round round 2 he's playing center um in the third round he he's got Jeremy Grant and Nicole Jokic um he he really did just do everything and he's he he proved himself to be an elite arguably the best defensive player in the league Rich Paul if you need any uh, if you need any <laughs>
1: help pitching Anthony Davis for this max contract he's set to to sign with the Los Angeles Lakers you just cut that part out of NBA Sound System and, and play that for the Lakers front office uh, breakout player of the playoffs I have Jamal Murray but honorable mention Ooh. to Bam Adebayo. I, I thought Bam was, I know he was an all-star this year, but I don't think people realized how good he actually could be on both ends of the floor. He was incredible against the Milwaukee Bucks uh, on uh, defensively. I mean, he, he really was. What Anthony Davis was in the finals for the Lakers, Bam was for the heat against Milwaukee Bucks, really shut them down and, and, and blew a lot of their offense up. And then offensively, uh you know they ran a lot of stuff through him you could see where he can improve there's things that he can do to improve as an offensive player but as a passer he's super underrated only Jokic is better as a big man passer uh than than bam out in the league and uh he deserves the honorable mention there but jamal murray was explosive i mean he was a walking 50 point 40 point guy in the nba and, and in games that mattered like it wasn't like in garbage time it was in games that his team was down and needed him to step up and have big games incredible performance by jamal murray
0: yeah so just some numbers for you so first of all he averaged 26 and a half points 6.6 assists and 4.8 rebounds on basically 50 40 90 shooting splits um so high volume uh scoring and assists on incredible efficiency he had two 50 point games in the first round the only guys in nba history to have multiple 50 point games in a playoff series are donovan mitchell in that same series alan iverson and michael jordan he had a 40-point game against the Clippers in Game 7. In the second round, he became the second youngest player to score 40 points in a Game 7. And it was also his third 40-point game in an elimination game in these playoffs. So like you said, he, he showed up when the Nuggets needed him the most. Um, I thought he played really well against the Lakers in the Conference Finals. Um, and by the way, you know he, he helped the Nuggets complete two 3-1 comebacks, which we've never seen before. So this is very easy. Jamal Murray is without a doubt the, the breakout player of the, of the playoffs in the bubble, really. All right, last two here, we'll fire through them. Best game of the
1: bubble. What was the best game of the playoffs in your opinion?
0: Okay, honorable mention is uh, game six of the Raptors and Celtics. Uh, it was a must-win game for the Raptors, went into double overtime. I thought it was just a really high-level game on both ends, um, and it was really a desperation game for the Raptors. Uh, but I, I think that the best game for me in the playoffs was game five of the finals um, when LeBron went for 40 points and Jimmy Butler had that 35-point triple-double. And really, the, the way that they just dueled at the end, uh, matching each other shot for shot before um, that missed three from Danny Green, it, it was to me, it was the most entertaining game of the playoffs. Um, again, really high-level play on both ends of the court. So I think that gets it for me.
1: I got Raptors-Celtics game six. That double overtime okay. was incredible. It was incredible. And the fact that they had to get up to a, a day later and play the game seven, that to me is, is, is huge.
0: Uh, best series in the bubble raptors Celtics. Uh, went, yeah. went all the way, seven games. I think again it was just a high level series on both ends of the court. Two of the best coaches in the league. We had the OG Ananobi buzzer beater in game three when the Raptors needed it to keep their season alive, really. Um, Larry proved himself. I think you know, everyone who everyone who's been in Larry's corner the last few years, this was kind of this the the run that proved him to be one of the best point guards in the league. He just did absolutely everything for the Raptors, um, willed them. Carry them on both ends of the court in that series against the Celtics, and then even things like Marcus Smart just catching fire and making five threes in the fourth quarter of that game one. I think it was. Um, it was just a really fun series from start to finish.
1: It really was. Uh, I'm I'm in with you. The Raptors Celtics series for me the best had most up and downs. I think of an entire series um, that you know in in the uh, in the playoffs. So that gets my vote for best series. All right. Final thoughts here, Scott. The season is. Over a year later. <laughs> Finally over a year later. <laughs> we went through a lot. Uh what was your final thoughts on the entire 2019-2020 season?
0: Um, it was a great season, first of all, but also you know, congrats to the Lakers and everything. But I, I do think the this the the future of the NBA is in really good hands. Um when we see what Giannis Antetokounmpo was able to do this season, we've talked about Luka Doncic a lot. He's only 21 years of age. Um, he's already proven to be one of the best players in the league. Um, Zion Williamson, Williamson showed showed flashes. We've seen Jamal Murray just go nuts in the playoffs. Same for Donovan Mitchell, um, Devin Booker in the bubble as well. I just think there's so much really good young talent in the league right now, um, and you know, a lot to be excited about moving forward. Um, even you know, beyond when LeBron, Kawhi, are battling for the best player in the league title, um, the league is is in really good hands, and I think it proved it this season.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, I agree with you. To to have LeBron James be playing in year 17 but you also have as you said we're ranking the best players in the league a Luka Doncic who's you know just scratching the surface of what he could be playing in the league at the same time uh, is really a, a joy as an NBA fan to be able to watch um, you know it, the fact that we were able to crown a champion still amazes me uh, and, and yeah. the fact that we were able to do it safely within the bubble I'll, I'll forever remember that and the sacrifices that those who had to go to the bubble uh, made uh, for us to, to, to get an NBA champion because it would have been, you know, uh, tough in history to look back on a year where uh, you, you didn't have an NBA champion and to to pull it off and do it safely. Uh, kudos to all those involved. Also, big shout out to the NBA fan for sticking with us, not just here uh, on this podcast, but also on NBA.com Global, um, you know, reading a lot of our content and listening to us every Tuesday on the live show uh, means a lot because you, there's times your uh, attention span could have swayed and went. Elsewhere, but you stuck right here with us, and we appreciate that uh, from the bottom of our heart. I want to shout out to you, Scott, and also the main man, Micah Adams, who, who did a great job of uh, running the show with us uh, as we as we went through the entire year. Even at times where there were no games to talk about, we figured out a way to jump on here and talk basketball. It was a pleasure, and a big thanks again to the great man who's behind the scenes, Lawrence Scott. Thanks to Lawrence Scott for uh, helping us get
0: set and ready to go. Live, whoa, 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 that doesn't whoa, whoa. happen everywhere. Live, it doesn't. Um, shout out to all them as well, but also shout out to you, Colin. Um, there's nobody who does this job better than you. It's always a joy to speak talk about basketball with you. So, uh, hats off to you as well. Thank you for everything you've done. I appreciate that. We will, uh, the off season's coming, so that doesn't
1: mean that we're going to stop anytime soon. We will be back on this platform, of course, NBA Sound System. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so. Uh, but it's draft season, so we will uh, study up, uh, check out our notes. We haven't seen college basketball in a long time. <laughs> it stopped way back in March. We uh, we will be our, do our best to sort of bring you uh, the, uh, the the ins and outs of the draft. It's going to be a lot of rumors surrounding the draft. And I expect the crazy offseason, to be honest with you, Scott. And many people don't know what's going to happen with the salary cap. There's a lot of teams that now have a championship window, maybe a jar that they didn't think would have been a jar before. So it's going to be fun going through the offseason, and, and we uh, hope you join us every step of the way. For Scott Rafferty and the entire NBA Global team, and of course, learn Scott behind the scenes, I'm Carlin Gay. We will see you soon right here on NBA Sound System.